0: Welcome to the One God Report podcast. This is Bill Schlegel and this is podcast number 81 called Tips for Talking to Trinitarians about John 1 part 2. In the previous episode we looked at the first phrase in John 1 1, in the beginning was the word, and we discussed how if the beginning described in John 1, 1 is not a direct reference to the Genesis creation, then the deity of Christ or Trinitarian interpretation of John 1 is wrong. It's just dead. Because then there's no reason to speculate about another God person who is somehow involved before the creation of the world. But we noted that there are good reasons that the beginning in John 1.1 1, 1 is a direct reference to the new beginning that God is bringing about through the man, Jesus Christ, who is metaphorically called the Word. I recently checked the phrase, in the beginning, in the Greek Bible, both the New Testament and the Greek Old Testament. The phrase is N-R-K, in the beginning, and it occurs some 30 times in the Bible. It occurs only four times in the New Testament. Two of those times, for sure, it does not refer to the Genesis creation. I mentioned those two in the last podcast. The other two are right here in John 1.1 1, 1 and John 1.2. In the beginning was the word, and this one was in the beginning with God. And then, even in the Greek Old Testament, in the beginning occur some 26 or so times. And there's really only two references in which it directly refers to the Genesis creation. All the rest of the references are to different beginnings that occur throughout the Old Testament. So this is another reason to understand that in the beginning of the Gospel of John is a reference to a new beginning in the man, Christ Jesus. So if the beginning in John 1.1 is not the Genesis creation, like I say, Trinitarianism, deity of Christ, speculation, it's all dead because there's no second God figure back there in the Genesis creation. Now, in the current podcast, we're going to look closer at John 1.1 mostly, and there's going to be another thing that I'll suggest that if the Trinitarian interpretation is wrong, Trinitarianism is dead. It's going to be their interpretation of who God is in the phrase, and the word was God. If they're wrong about that, Trinitarianism's dead. So let's get to the rest of the text of John 1.1. John 1.1 is often broken down into three parts. John 1.1a. In the beginning was the Word, and then 11 b and the Word was with God, and then 11 c and the Word was God. John 1-1-A, In the beginning was the Word. Now, I believe that people are right in recognizing that the Word is a metaphorical title for Jesus. Now, it's not a pre-incarnate, second divine God figure but it's the man, Jesus Christ, who is called the Word here. One thing that I think is important to point out in any passage of this scripture that somebody wants to interpret as meaning the deity of Christ or that Jesus is a pre-incarnate God or divine person who now will take on a human body, like the Trinitarian interpretation of John 1, These deity of Christ interpretations are a denigration of the human person, Jesus of Nazareth. Actually, it's an elimination of the human person, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I probably didn't realize that I was doing that when I was a Trinitarian, interpreting John 1 as a God person somehow becoming man. But if we're going to say that God entered into human flesh or God took on human flesh. This is the cost, the elimination of the human person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Otherwise, Jesus would be two persons, a God person and a human person. For the Trinitarian, the person is that preexistent God person, not the human person, Jesus the Messiah from Nazareth. Now, John one b continues. The word was with." God. this is a phrase that can be understood as a unique relationship that the man Jesus had with God while he was on the earth just like Moses there's parallels with the man Moses in this first verse now that's the book of Exodus that's not Genesis we've got typology parallels with the Old Testament quite a few parallels in the Gospel of John with the Old Testament, not just Genesis, but as well Exodus. Moses is a man who is with God. He was on the mountain. He had a special relationship with God. He had a mediatorial relationship between the people and God, as Jesus does. The phrase was with God is interesting because it's really a Greek preposition that means toward or in the direction of, oriented toward. Usually a word is something that comes out from God. But here, it is with God in the sense of being toward God. This is another indication that a person is being described here metaphorically by the word, word, logos. And I think as well, the Gospel of John is saying this because he's comparing, he's already starting to tell us that Jesus is preeminent to John the Baptizer. John 1.1b and the Logos was with God is basically repeated and emphasized in verse 2. This one was in the beginning with God. Compare that to John the Baptizer in verse 7. This one was not the light, but came to bear witness. Let's note that the Gospel of John declares two times in the first two verses that the Logos was with God. This emphasis differentiates the Logos from God. The Logos is differentiated from God, not just from the Father. He doesn't say the Logos was with the Father, but was with God two times here. Just like Jesus differentiated himself from God quite often in the Gospel of John, not just from the Father, but from God. Believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. The differentiation is between the Logos and God. Two times within the first two verses of the book. And then in the third phrase of John chapter 1, called John 1, 1c, you have this phrase, the word was God. And for most of the Trinitarian world, then they think that this is a declaration that Jesus is deity. Ontologically God. Ontologically means having to do with being, or in essence, or in nature. This is supposedly a claim that Jesus was deity. So, is John making a statement about the essence, or the being, of the Logos here? That the Logos was literally deity? Let's take a look at a few other ways, and I would suggest better ways to understand the phrase, the Logos was God. But before we do, we can point out another problem with the Trinitarian interpretation of John 1.1, and that is they change the meaning of the word God here. You can ask a Trinitarian, you say, okay, let's read this. You'd say, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now, is God the Trinity there? No, he's not the Trinity. God there is the Father. Okay, that's right. But as a Trinitarian, why are you assuming that the first occurrence of God in the gospel is the Father? Maybe God there should be the Spirit. You see, they're coming to this text with presuppositions. And why not the Trinity? Why isn't the first occurrence of the word God in this gospel, why doesn't it mean the Trinity? And the word was God. Okay, now is the Logos the Father? to the Trinitarian, and they say, no, 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 the Logos is not the Father. In their mind, the Logos is, quote, God the Son. It's not the Father. So now they've got to change already the meaning of the word God. To the Trinitarian deity of Christ believer, God, in the phrase, and the Logos was with God, is the Father. But in the very next phrase, the same word, God, is not the Father. That's a problem. It's a big problem because when one looks at John 1:1 1, 1 in the Greek text, there's only one little word separating the two occurrences of God. It's the word and. If you can, I recommend taking a look at John 1:1 1, 1 in an interlinear Bible where one can see both the Greek and English or whatever other language together on a website like Bible Hub. In Greek, the word order of John 1.1 1, 1 is like this. The Logos was with God, and God was the Logos. The person is going to have to bring presuppositions to the text to make the two occurrences of God, Theos, in John 1.1, 1, 1, separated by the little word, and, to mean two different things. Again, to the Trinitarian, God is the Father in John 1 1b, but God is not the Father in John 1 1c. Actually, to the Trinitarian, John 1 1c, God was the Logos, or the Logos was God, doesn't really even mean the Son. It means deity. This is what the Trinitarian interpretation of John 1 1 has to do. God in John 1 1 are two. Different meanings for the Trinitarian. And the Logos was with the Father, and the Logos was deity for the Trinitarian. If God in the word was God means the Father, then Trinitarianism is dead. God in John 1 1c and the word was God for the Trinitarian can't mean the Father. But There's no good reason for believing that it doesn't mean the Father. The Word was God. But this doesn't mean that Jesus was literally deity, that he was the Father. New Testament Greek language commentators see that there's something indirect in this statement. The Logos was God. Our suggestions are going to be that it's not God literally visiting or coming to his people, But God did so in the person of the Messiah, Jesus. The one God, the Father, was at work in and through the Messiah, the human person, Jesus of Nazareth. So what does this mean, the word was God? Well, I would ask the Trinitarian, who is God in this book, over and over and over again? And which God or who is the God in Jesus? And we should know John chapter 17, verse 3, where Jesus himself says that the Father is the only true God. So in this gospel, there is no God the Son or God the Word. Nowhere. The God of the gospel of John is the Father. What John chapter 1 is doing, he's introducing already the idea that it's the Father in Jesus. It's good to know a few of these verses where we see it's the Father in Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 38, for example, Jesus is talking about how the works that he does testify to who he is. He says he does these works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Let me for a moment emphasize John chapter 14, verse 10. Because I think if a person can understand what Jesus said in John fourteen ten. Then you'll understand better John one, 1 and John 1.14. This is the night before Jesus was crucified, and he says to the apostles, after Philip had asked Jesus to show them the Father, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. But then John 14.10, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. That's John 14.10. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. That section of scripture explains exactly what the author meant when he said the word was God. It's the Father In Jesus, not in an ontological way, in the sense of nature or deity. It's the one God, the Father, working in the human person, Jesus of Nazareth, who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus says, It's the Father who dwells in me, does his works. The Father is dwelling in Jesus. This is why the author can say, The word was God because the Father is dwelling in Jesus. I'll say this again if the word was God, the Logos was God of John 1 1c, means the Father, Trinitarianism, and actually Arianism as well, are dead. For the deity of Christ interpretation to be correct, or for the Arian interpretation to be correct, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, the God. In 1-1-C, the word was God, can't be the Father. They have to change the meaning of the word God from John 1-1-B, and the word was with God, to 1-1-C, and the word was God. They have to change the meaning of God within a, a half a breath. So, God in John 1-1-C, and the word was God, that God is the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. It's the Father in Jesus. The Father dwells in Jesus. The Word, that's Jesus, He was God, the Father, speaking. And the Word, Jesus, was God at work. Like Jesus said, The words I speak are not mine, but the Father's. The Father in me does his works. When we read the Gospel of John, we don't hear Jesus telling us that he is another God distinct from the Father, a God the Son or a God the Word. Rather, Jesus tells us over and over in this Gospel that the God in Jesus is the Father. God's Word is not literally God. But the word is the channel through which or through whom God does things. Perhaps one way of illustrating this would be if you have a Bible, you take the Bible and you hold it up and say, this is the word of God, right? This is the word of God. Yes. Trinitarian, deity of Christ, people will say, yes, that's the word of God. And then you put it down, you point at it and you say, is that God? not literally. God is not literally paper and ink. That's not his substance. That's not his essence. Paper and ink is not God's being. But in some way, you can understand that the Bible, the Word of God, is God. Because God's Word is the record, the evidence of God at work. The historical record in the Bible, the Word, was God revealing himself to Israel and to all humanity. Instead of interpreting the Logos, the word was God, in an ontological way, meaning that the Logos had a divine nature, what does this mean if we can look at the Bible, paper and ink, and declare that was God? The Logos was God can be understood in other ways. Instead of a declaration about the divine nature of the Logos, consider the idea that the Logos was God is a statement about God in action, or God at work. God's Word was God because it's God at work. And with Jesus, God's Word, the Logos, was God because He was God in action, God at work. So here are four other ways that the Logos was God can be understood in the sense of God at work. And I think probably all of these ways the man Jesus Christ is in a certain way or was God. First, the Logos was God could be understood as God's presence. God is present in the Word of God. Secondly, the Logos is the power of God. We see that the Word of God has power. It changes people's lives. It gives new life. A person can be born again through the Word. So the Logos, the Word of God, is the power of God. Thirdly, the Logos was also the manifestation of God. The Word shows God, reveals God. We perceive God in the Word. We understand He's there. He's revealing himself to us in the Word. And another way to understand that the Word was or is God is that the Word represents God. This is agency. This is God giving His Word, sending His Word that represents God. The man Jesus of Nazareth, in the biblical sense of being sent, that means empowered and commissioned by God, the man Jesus of Nazareth. Was sent by God and he represents God Jesus is said to be sent some 40 times in John's Gospel so he represents God Jesus said whoever receives me receives him who sent me who sent Jesus the Father so to receive Jesus is to receive God the Father Jesus said whoever sees me Has seen God the Son no sorry I couldn't resist Jesus said whoever has seen me has seen the father the father in me does his works John 14 9 through 20 this is agency this is representation this is the presence of God the word was God in these various ways I would suggest that interpreting the Word was God, understanding the phrase the Logos was God, that Jesus was God in action. These ways that I've just listed presence, power, manifestation, representation, or agency, this is the way that a biblical thinker would interpret the phrase. What do I mean by that? In the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, God, the only God, the Father, He, not they, made himself, not themselves, known through people and through circumstances many times in these different ways. The Israelites could know that was God by what happened, by how God acted through people and circumstances. Since we have the biblical framework, we can see what the author means because we already know that it was God who turned the waters of the Nile into blood. What? Wasn't that Moses and Aaron that struck the Nile River? Yes, but God did it. So Moses and Aaron were his agents. They were the means by which he did this. Who brought the Israelites out of Egypt? Was it Moses or was it God? Moses was God's agent. Moses was God's representative. He was an indication of God's presence and power. But the power is God's. So God brought Israel out of Egypt and through the Reed Sea. The presence of God was known, understood, and perceived then. Who defeated the Canaanites in the Promised Land? Who removed the Canaanites from the Promised Land? Was that Joshua or was that God? The Bible says God brought Israel into the promised land. Well, I thought that was Joshua. No, it was God that did that. The Bible actually says that Yahweh, have a God, slew King Saul. God killed King Saul. What? I thought Saul was killed by the Philistines up on Mount Gilboa. Well, God killed King Saul. That was God. So, this is the biblical way of understanding the presence and the power, the manifestation. Of God, that God is represented and He does things through humans in many cases and circumstances too. This is the way that a biblical thinker, I would suggest the Jewish audience that received this writing in the first place, this is the way they would understand that something or somebody was God. The Logos was God at work, God's presence, His power, in manifesting Himself. The Logos is representing God. So John 1.1c, the statement, the word was God, it's not an ontological statement about being. Like the Gentile church fathers beginning in the second century started to take it, and most Christians still take it today. It's interesting how Westerners, probably fair to say descendants of Greek and Latin thinkers, we can't seem to understand the phrase, was God in some other way other than being about the essence or the being of the Logos. But rather, when Jesus spoke, God, that is the Father, spoke, not God the Son. When Jesus healed the sick or raised the dead, the Father was at work healing the sick and raising the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead, The Father was at work in him. God is the source of his word. And now in the new creation, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is the word. But the word itself is not the source. The source is the Father. It's God. God is behind his word, you might say. He's the one who sends it out. He's the one who speaks it. We don't literally see God but we perceive and understand that this was God at work through his word. You can see this parallel as well. You have confirmation in the in the epistles of Paul, for instance, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, where Paul says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself so God that's this is the father this is not the trinity this is not God the son this is God the father was in Christ in the Messiah reconciling the world to himself this is the kind of thing that the gospel of John is saying it's the father in Jesus that makes John say the word was God now let me mention some more reasons why the Gospel of John, why the author of the Gospel of John calls the man Jesus the Word. Several reasons, but among them, as we just describe, all these other ideas of the presence of God and the power of God in his Word, but this Gospel especially has Jesus simply speaking and things come to be through the spoken words of Jesus, which are the words of the Father. There's a renewal of creation, John chapter 5, there's a man who's lame. He's been lame for 38 years. And Jesus comes and simply speaks. Get up. He doesn't touch him. He doesn't put his hand on him. No hocus pocus and potions and so forth. Anything like that. He simply speaks. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is God's channel through which God brings about renewal and healing. Compare Psalm 107, verse 20. People were sick, and they cried out to Yudhvave to God, and then quote, he sent forth His word, and He healed them, and delivered them from destruction. Unquote. Likewise, God sent the man Jesus, the Word, and healed people. God was at work healing through His word, and Jesus can speak and the dead come out simply his voice he said Lazarus come forth and the dead man came alive like jesus said john chapter 5 verse 25 the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice the son of god and those who hear will live so the power of god is in jesus it's in his spoken voice This is the reason that the author can call Jesus the Word. God is at work through him to renew, to recreate, to bring things about, to make things happen. And the author saw this in Jesus, and this is one of the reasons that Jesus is called the Word here in the beginning of this Gospel. And another reason that Jesus is the Word is because it's the creation of new life that comes through him. When God spoke, things came to be. And with Jesus, through Jesus, things come to be. But again, the Word is not the source of this creation, but he's God's instrument or channel. God is the source. God's Word is not the source. Saying that the Word was God is another way of saying that it was the Father in Jesus, who spoke and did the works. See John 10 38, 14 10. You can see the same thing in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 22. Jesus is a man attested by God through whom God did mighty works. Now, I mentioned that John chapter 1, the word was with God and was God. The parallel is really with Moses. You can listen to the other podcast on that. Moses in the book of Exodus. Was with God and even is God, just like here the logos in John 1:1. So note that Jesus is compared to Moses, God's representative, in the prologue, chapter one, verse 17. The Torah was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus the Messiah. So in John 1:17, Jesus is not the source. Of grace and truth. God is the source. And just like Moses was God's channel to bring the good Torah, the good teaching, how to get life, even so, Jesus is God's channel for grace and truth. Jesus is compared to Moses. They're both God's representatives through whom God works. Not that they're ontologically, in essence, God or something like that, but they are the one sent by God through whom God works. So to wrap up, remember, the cost of interpreting any biblical passage like John one, as showing the deity of Christ, the cost is the elimination of the human person, Jesus of Nazareth. Then, in John 1.1, two claims are crucial to a deity of Christ or a Trinitarian interpretation. And it can be shown that both of these two claims are false. In the previous podcast, we talked about how in the beginning is not a direct reference to the Genesis creation. If in the beginning is not a direct reference to the Genesis creation, then there's no need to speculate about a second God figure present at the Genesis creation. We don't just throw away all of our biblical Understanding that God is one with one little phrase. And then we say, oh, now we think that God is two or maybe three. How quickly the Gentiles abandon belief in the one true God of Israel. And then secondly, as we've talked about in this podcast, for the Trinitarian, God in John 1, 1c, the phrase, the Logos was God, cannot be the father. But in this Gospel, over and over again, both Jesus and the author tell us that the God that was in Jesus was the Father. The deity of Christ interpretation contradicts the Gospel of John. The deity of Christ interpretation insists it was God the Son, or God the Logos, that was in Jesus. But Jesus, in John's Gospel, said over and over again, it was the Father in Jesus. The only God in Jesus is the Father. Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. John 14:10. So we've seen a better way to understand the phrase was God, the Logos was God, is that Jesus, the word, the Logos, was God in action, God the Father at work, God's presence, God's power, the manifestation of God, representing God, in all these ways, the Logos was God the Father. In the next podcast, I'll plan to do one more tips for talking to Trinitarians about John 1 as we look at some of the rest of the verses in the prologue of the Gospel of John. The humble will hear and rejoice.